Um, we've been going through this series called um, Numbered Purity, and uh, today's the last one. And it's really one sermon that started uh, four weeks ago, four Sundays ago, and it's ending up today. So if you're visiting with us for the first time, this is more of a conclusion to a larger sermon that's been going on for about four weeks. Um, I was uh, told earlier before I came up here that I need to announce that we're having a men's prayer breakfast this Saturday at 8.30, so if you want to come out for that, that's great. It's good sausage, bacon, eggs, um, there's some gravy involved, and some biscuits involved, and some orange juice involved, and some coffee involved, and some prayer involved. So it's all the Baptist stuff, including prayer, so that, you know... <laughs> We're going to eat, and then we're going to pray. So if you, you have time, um, this is a men's event. So guys, you know, you can bring your, your boys with you. Um, but I uh, definitely wanted to, to throw, throw that out. Is that good enough, Seth? That's good? Yeah, yeah. Seth came back and said, I forgot to do the prayers breakfast. So that's what I just did. Well, back to the series. And we've had a, well, some of us have had a pretty good time with this series in regards to microwaves, and refrigerators, and offices, right? Um, I would look on Facebook and somebody would have cleaned out their microwave. I've got several emails telling me how to clean my microwave in a better fashion instead of Windex, um, from putting baking soda in water and, and turning it on to just putting water in, to putting vinegar in, to doing all these methods. So I think we just need to compile a book together that's a recipe for how to clean a microwave. I think we would have about 12 chapters. We should sell them and raise money for the parking lot, <laughs> right? And just do that. I'm kind of joking about that, but I think that would, that would sell, I guess. I guess people would be interested in that, but nonetheless, for the parking lot. Um, but but we've, had, we've had a good time with that. There's been refrigerator pictures. In fact, um, last Sunday, um, my wife cleaned out our refrigerator. And it was a moment for us. Not that she doesn't normally clean out the refrigerator, but I'm the one that usually, you know, does that. And I usually get in trouble for the stuff I throw away because I don't keep stuff. And she keeps stuff that has grown stuff. Like, you know, there's a garden within our refrigerator. <laughs> garden within our refrigerator. So that also during this series of time it has had people join Team Nicole, Right. Right? So if you're on Team Nicole, raise your hand. You eat leftovers and stuff that has green on it. And Team Philip, a couple of people, yeah, that, that's more, more, you know. In my opinion, life is too short to eat a leftover. Doing the best, okay. So there we go. And we've divided the church over leftovers and newness, right? And we've divided them over what is old and what God has made new. We have, um, I mean, I could keep gold with this, right? I could keep gold with this and make it spiritual, right? But we've, we've had a real good time with this. And it's all been about purity. And I wanted to take purity, not in the way that we normally think of it, um, between a man and a woman, not having sex before your marriage and all that kind of stuff, but in the broader concept that the Bible actually teaches. Uh, the Bible teaches that in every aspect of our life, we should live pure lives before God. Whether we are talking to someone, whether we're working with someone, whatever it might be, that you and I live in such a way that we're pure before the Lord all our days, and we are acceptable to Him. So that's the definition of purity according to Scripture. 
Scripture. Now, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8 this morning, and because that's where we're going to be, Romans, Romans chapter 8. chapter 8. I received the Lord Jesus Christ when I was 8 years old. 8 years old. In a a service, in a revival service. I don't even remember what the preacher said, but I remember running up so my dad wouldn't catch me so that I could get saved. And um, and I received the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. I was baptized a couple of months later. When I was in my senior year in high school, I was thinking about making commercials for a living. Love video stuff. I love to edit. I love to do all that kind of stuff. And back in those days, I don't know if you know this or not, you would actually set up like three VCRs. One would be your main VCR. VCR tapes are about this big, in case you're too young to know what this is. VCR tapes here, and you'd have two here. And I had a, a Commodore 64 computer that was basically you you put all your information on a tape, a cassette tape, which we don't use anymore too. And it would make this noise. So with, within that, you would load this little program that I could actually run into here, and I'd make these commercials for high school. And there would be text on the screen and stuff like that. And it was quite the process. It took me a long time to do it. And so I really enjoyed doing that type of stuff. So I thought that I would, I would go out and make commercials for TV, and I would actually make money in life. Um, and, and, you know, be able to supply a family that way because I was somewhat creative, and I could... Where you just 
absolutely worthless. You, you feel like that there is absolutely no way that God can use you anymore because you still struggle with these sins that you're really supposed to be free from. And you struggle with these things and you, and you work at them and you try not to do them and you, you try to do the things, pray and read the Bible, but it's still on you. And, and the problem is within your soul, you have the desire to do the wrong thing. It is still there. And then there's this other thing inside of you, the Holy Spirit that's saying, don't do it, don't do it. And it's a war going on. And so the, the tension between that ro- that roar is so tough at times. And, and your, your shoulders get so heavy at times. And then you're like, how in the world, well, for me, how in the world can I possibly stand up before a group of people on Sunday morning and preach the truth to them when during the week I have struggled to keep myself on the path. I have struggled to even stay pure myself. I mean, how in the world can I possibly do this? Somebody else could do this job a lot better that is more righteous. And you you put your you put your weight on your shoulders and you, and it just gets on your shoulders and 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 it just gets so heavy. And then the Bible says there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And the moment you read that, it moves your soul to know that it is not you anyway. It is his righteousness. And because I've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior, and because I'm a Christian, yes, I struggle with sin, but I am not going to be condemned for that. I am not worthless because I have to do that, because there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law had weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteousness, righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. I don't know if you're sitting here and you had a week like me or not, or you're sitting here and you think you are worthless because you maybe have even fallen into sin this week and you've done some things that you know is not pure. You've done some things that you know is not holy. You've done some things that you know God would not approve of. I'm here to tell you this morning that if you are a child of God, there is now, therefore, no condemnation to those of us who are in Christ Jesus. And we hold on to that victory and we shout with a shout that I am forgiven. I am forgiven and I am free. And it is entirely possible for me to live a pure life because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. I am worth to him his blood. I am worth to him his death. I am worth to him his resurrection. I am worth something to my Savior. Thanks be to God. Amen? It is absolutely incredible. So you 
no condemnation for those of us who are, who are in Christ Jesus. To me, no condemnation. And this week, the battle comes back on, going back at it. I'm going to strive to stay pure and keep my mind focused and go. And I know you feel the same way. But don't let Satan whisper in your ear, you are worthless, because that is a lie. That is a lie. Don't let him beat you down. So verse 4 here in, in uh, chapter 8 says this, In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. The righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. In other words, that you and I might be able to walk in such a way that we are righteous when we walk. That we would have the freedom to actually do what God wants us to do and the power to do it under the direction of the Holy Spirit. It's an amazing thing that we have this. So during this series, I've tried to show you a couple of people in the Bible who got it right. We have talked about Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There's nothing in Scripture that says that they ever committed a big sin, right? Now, you and I know that they were sinners, but they were able to stand before a king in a country where they had no accountability and walk with God, and that is an example to us, right? In conditions that you and I may never meet. We won't ever stand before a king, hopefully, and he say, bow before me or I'll throw you into a fiery furnace and have our faith tested at that level, right? And if they can walk with God in that situation, I think you and I can do the same thing as well. We had Joseph last week, right? Joseph, Joseph is away from home, sold into slavery, and he's hurt. And at that point in his life, he could have rebelled against God and just left him behind, but he stuck with God and he walked with God. And there's nowhere in Scripture, really. I mean, we can make stuff up about him, but there's nowhere in Scripture that says that he committed a grave sin. There's nowhere in Scripture that he says that. Now, was he a sinner? Yeah, sure he was. Sure he was a sinner. Sure he did things wrong. But nothing to say that, like King David, right, which was big. So Joseph is an example of us that you and I have a choice to either walk with God in purity or not walk with God in purity. And it's a choice that you and I can make. Here's a couple of people that we didn't cover. Enoch walked with God. Probably because that is the only verse in the Bible that we hear about Enoch. He just walked with God. So that would have been a very short sermon, which y'all might have been thankful for. Right? Noah walked with God. Now we know Noah later, he did sin after the thing, but Noah walked with God and was righteous enough to build an ark. King David said this in Psalm 86, 11, Teach me thy way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Teach me your way, and I will walk in your truth. Another psalm that he wrote says, How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord, because it's possible to walk in his statutes. God told Solomon, Walk in my ways as your father David walked. So it's an encouragement to walk with God. The Lord told his people in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16, Where the good way is, walk in it, and you shall find rest for your souls. Wherever the good way is, walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. The interesting thing about that, especially when you think about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, and Joseph, is that the rest for the soul does not mean that your world isn't crumbling. In fact, 
Jeremiah never had a successful ministry in the world's eyes. Never had a successful ministry. He was always being beaten down. But he had rest in soul. Because when the world is falling down around you and you're walking with God, inside there is a peace. You might be worried about some things. You might be heartbroken about some things. But underlining that whole situation is peace and comfort and rest. Paul uses the word walk 32 times in his letters. He tells us to walk in love, walk as children of light, walk by faith, walk by the Spirit, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord so that we can live our lives in a pure way to make a difference in this world. In this world. Now, last Sunday when my wife was in the refrigerator doing her thing, she was moving stuff around. And if you were to open our refrigerator at certain times in our existence, and this isn't just our refrigerator, it may even be yours, unless you really have somebody in your house that's really OCD. I mean, that, that, could, that is a possibility, that somebody's refrigerator is always perfect. Um, I have a mother-in-law, and her refrigerator is always perfect. And she is such a fair... Anyway, it doesn't matter. I'm just kidding. I'm just, that's just a joke. Just a joke. But you can open a refrigerator, and things are disheveled. Well, what happened when Nicole started cleaning out the refrigerator? She started moving stuff into their, their place and into their, their spot. She reordered the refrigerator. So the stuff that was not supposed to be on this shelf is now on this shelf, and this is supposed to be here. For instance, I don't know if this is how you do it in your house, but the mustard is not supposed to be on the main shelf. The mustard is supposed to be on the door beside the ketchup. Right? Yes, thank you. That is where it's supposed to be. The eggs are supposed to be here, right next to the bacon, which is up underneath the cheese tray. Like, we have a whole cheese tray. And then we have this bacon and hot dog tray at the bottom here that we put bacon and hot dogs and sometimes other types of meat into this meat tray. And then right here is the drawer I really don't open up that often. It's the vegetable tray. It, it has, like, lettuce and green stuff and cucumbers that may or may not be hard, right? So when you're cleaning it out, it just mushes in your hand, you know, and just kind of just goes through your fingers, and you're like, oh, and you try to get rid of it, then you have to clean the tray out, right? So she went into the refrigerator, and she reordered the refrigerator to where it was neat and where it was clean and where we could actually find stuff that we're looking for without making a big mess. Is everybody tracking that is exactly what God is trying to do in the world. See, God didn't come into the world to battle the world. He came into the world to reorder it. He's reordering it into something brand new and something awesome. And the people that he started with to reorder this world is the people that have accepted him as their personal savior. They accept him as their savior, and they decide to walk with him, and all of a sudden, he wants to be involved with the Holy Spirit inside of those people so they can reorder their life in such a way where the mustard is in the right spot, and the eggs are in the right spot, and everything within that soul finds its proper place so that they can live for the glory of God and his kingdom. There's none of us in here that would argue with the fact that our world needs to be reordered. Right? We bring it down to a personal level. There shouldn't be anybody in here that would argue 
that our souls, our personal souls, need to be reordered as well. And there's some times where we clean the refrigerator, and then four days later it's a mess again. And our soul has to be reordered in the way that it should go and in the purity that God wants us to walk in. And we have to be constantly looking at ourselves and, and constantly asking God, create in me a clean heart so that we can reorder things in our lives so that God can reorder our world so that we can shine for him. We, according to verse 6, fulfill the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. That means God saved you so that you could demonstrate his righteousness, his right order to the world. Amen? Absolutely incredible. So how do we do that? How do we live a pure life? Well, we've talked about that a couple of weeks, but for this message, how do we do that? Because to be honest with you, I am a, perf- a not a perfectionist, what would it call? I am really good at doing what the flesh wants me to do. I don't have, have to have anybody explain to me how to live fleshly. Have you, anybody ever taken a course on how to live fleshly? Anybody? You, because you don't need it. You already know how to do that. So when the Bible says, do not walk by the flesh, Yes, sometimes it gives you a list of sins, but it doesn't go into those sins because you already know what those sins are. Right? You know what adultery is. Right? You already, in fact, um, you probably have never really got a definition for that, but you already knew it anyway because deep within your soul, you know that's wrong. You know what lying is. It's not telling the truth. You know what that is all about. You know how to do those things. But how in the world do we walk in purity? Um, I recently played... Uh, somebody in ping pong at my house and um, this individual is is better than I thought he would be Um, and I used to be able to really play ping pong and then I played ping pong with this individual and I thought oh my goodness I've got to practice I'm going to have to get better so when he left my house I told him that um, he has a target on him that I am going to practice and I am going to beat him and going to beat him. So, so um, I, I'm going to practice to do that. But what I found out, because I have spots, look, if you're competitive, you've got to know what your other, your competition is doing. So what I have found out over the past couple of weeks is a couple of things. Number one, he got a brand new paddle. In fact, he's not competitive either. He showed me that paddle and showed me and it's a t- it's it's a great paddle. It's really a nice paddle. That made me go home and look on Amazon to see if I could figure out some type of paddle to be equal to that paddle and all that kind of stuff. I didn't buy one. I didn't buy one, but I looked I looked at them. The other thing that he has done is he bought a hundred ping pong balls, and so he has been practicing his serve with these hundred ping pong balls. Look, I don't have the patience to pick up a hundred ping pong balls. I've got to deal with refrigerators and microwaves. I I don't have time to do that. But he's, he's doing, you know, he's doing all these serves and stuff across the line and stuff. And he's, he's actually got this one serve now I've heard about. I've heard about it in theory where he, he has the ball like this and he goes over the top so that it does this little spin. I know what he's doing so you can't hit the ball. So, you know, he's really been practicing. Um, 
person that he plays with every evening, his father, yes, he's younger, his father can't, can't beat him anymore. And so now at night, his father is actually just serving to him so that he can get more of his spin stuff down. So this guy is practicing, 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 and he has set his mind that I, Philip Brand, will not beat him, right? And he's doing everything in his power. I'm sure it's all about me. <laughs> I, I'm sure it is. And he's doing everything in his power to be the best ping pong uh, player that he can be so that nobody can beat him. Listen, living in holiness and purity is all about setting your mind on the right things and going all in for it. Do I think that I do not have time to hit a hundred ping pong balls in order to keep up with this guy that's trying to make sure that he, you know, he never gets beat? No, I don't have time to do that. And I can afford not to do that. I'm not really going to be hurt if I don't do that. I just won't beat him. I mean, that's all it is. But when it comes to purity and setting your mind to purity and setting your mind to holiness and setting your mind to living for Christ the way you're supposed to do, you have to be all in. You have to be all in. Your mind has to be focused and your mind has to be bent on that. If you notice verse 5 of this passage, it says this. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the thing of the flesh, on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. This means that if I sin, I have set my mind on the flesh. If I walk with God and do the right thing, I have set my mind on Christ and His righteousness and the way that He wants me to live. It's all where I set my mind, and you and I have the power to set our mind on the flesh or to set our mind on the spirit. And if we want to live in purity, if we want to live in holiness, we have to be all in and setting our minds on the spirit. We have to set it there. We have to work to set it there. We have to think about what we're going to do. We have to think about if it's right. We have to think about it. We have to concentrate on it. We have to meditate on the Word of God and hide it in our hearts. That's what we have to do. If you and I just sit back, and let's just say we decide not to think at all. There's a lot of people in the world that does this. Anyway, I could give you examples, but then that would be judgmental. Anyway, no, no, no. So if you just sat back and didn't think about what you were doing, during a given day, didn't put any thought toward it, I guarantee you, you will live in the flesh on that day. Because that is what you're programmed to do. Because of the fall, because of a sinful man, if you do nothing, if you don't think about anything, and you just go through your day, you will live that entire day through the flesh. If you wake up, though, and you think about, okay, how would Christ like me to approach this day? How would Christ like me to handle this particular situation? What does the Bible say about this particular thing that I'm going through? What does the Bible say? We have to set our minds on that and think about it and submit to the Spirit so that He can lead us in the way that we should go. It takes a certain level of work to walk 
spirit. It takes no work at all to walk in the flesh. How do I know this? Because I've been angry before. Now, I'll submit to you, I know people throw this verse, righteous anger, but you know what? You, I've, I've rarely seen righteous anger. Most of the time when people get angry, they get very boisterous. Is that a word? I think it is. Boisterous. I like it anyway. If not, let's just write it down. Boisterous, right? They get intense. They yell. They they get into fight mode, you know, they like this. That is flesh. That is flesh. Not many people, many times during their life, can pull off what Jesus did in the temple. He had righteous anger, had a whip, but didn't sin. Jesus did it. By the way, every time someone said, if someone says, what would Jesus do? think about, hmm, he put a couple of people I tied. Yeah, that's not exactly a good good uh, saying in every situation. So so here's people that, that you have to set your mind on a certain thing. Now, with that in mind, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Numbers chapter uh, 6. Numbers chapter 6. chapter 6. Now this passage of scripture is about uh, a vow called the Nazarite vow. And this is a group of people that are setting their minds to do a certain thing for a certain amount of time in order to set themselves apart for the glory of God. So in chapter 6 verse 1 it says this, And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when either a man or a woman makes a special vow, the vow of the Nazarite, to separate himself to the Lord, he shall separate himself from wine and strong drink. He shall drink no vinegar and shall not drink any juice of grapes or eat grapes, flesh or dried. All the days of his separation, he shall eat nothing that is produced by the grapevine, not even the seeds or the skins. All the days of his vow of separation, no razor shall touch his head, until the time is completed for which he separates himself to the Lord. He shall be holy, and he shall let the locks of hair of his head grow long. So here's, here's a place in Scripture where God is saying that it is a good idea sometimes to separate yourself for my purposes. It's a good idea sometimes to separate yourself in order to shift yourself from being unholy to being holy. It is good sometimes to stop doing some things that are leading you astray. It is good sometimes to make a commitment to say, I vow not to do certain things. So you might vow in the morning, um, I'm no longer going to listen to the radio or the news because that makes me angry. And so for three weeks, I'm not going to do that because it doesn't help my anger problem. And so I'm going to separate from that so that I can separate myself to be holy and work on this issue where I'm hurting people around me that I shouldn't be hurting because I'm upset at something that's going on on the news. Are you tracking? If, if people have an issue with, with um, lust, maybe the thing to do is for a month period of 
that you can get your mindset on the things of God and holiness, and then you can reintroduce that stuff with a different set of lenses. Does that make sense? Because not everything that you watch on YouTube is bad. Not everything, every movie that you see is bad. Not everything that you see is bad. But if you gravitate toward the stuff that you shouldn't be seeing, maybe the thing to do is cut it out for a, a period of time. I am not saying that we should take all of our records and all of our tapes, uh, tapes, nobody has a tape, <laughs> and, and do a burning. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is sometimes we have to set our mind on Christ and take a spiritual cleanse, if you will, to get our mind to where it needs to be. Are you tracking? I mean, we're not we. I'm not. So this isn't really me included in the we. We're all into cleanses, you know, body cleanses. Maybe you're not. Some people on Facebook are really into these cleanses. Do you know what I'm talking about? Y'all look at me like, you eat certain, you don't eat certain things. If we can do that, we can do these cleanses, it's probably better for us to do a spiritual cleanse and separate ourselves from some things. Notice verse 6. It says this. All the days that he separates himself to the Lord, he shall not go near a dead body. Now, I believe in Scripture here, this is both those people should not go near a dead body, but I also think that it's a picture for us, an illustration, if you will. The thing that you and I should do in order to set our th mind on the things of Christ is separate ourselves from death. Do not go toward any action that leads to death. The flesh leads to sin, sin leads to death. The flesh leads to sin, sin leads to death. Don't go near anything that leads to death. Stay away from death and run toward the life that you have in Jesus Christ through his resurrection. You run to that life and you live in that life. Run to life, not to death. Stay away from death, but you have to set your mind on that in order to do it, in order to do it. So, back to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And verse 6 says, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. See that? Don't do anything that leads to death. Always go toward things that lead to life and peace in Jesus Christ. A life of purity does that. Choose to walk with God. Daniel and his three three friends did that. They decided not to eat, remember? Joseph decided to run out of the house. Daniel decided to still pray three times a day, even though there was a law against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego decided not to bow down. They decided not to do that. They stayed away from death. They ran toward life. Interesting thing, all of those could have lost their life at any time, but they were not willing to lose their spiritual life for sin purposes. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Verse 7. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. 
the flesh cannot please God. Those that are in the flesh cannot please God. You cannot please God if you are not committed to living a life of purity. Now, does that mean that you have condemnation? No. There's no, therefore, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. But I don't know about you. But if Jesus loved me enough to die on the cross for my sins and take that penalty away from it from me and love me that much, why wouldn't I live my life to please him? To where he looks down on me and says, hey, he's walking the way that he's supposed to walk. I can use him. So, here's a couple of questions as we wrap up. When you're faced with a situation or you're involved in something, here's a couple of questions you can ask to try to determine if you're going to walk toward uh, the Spirit or if you're going to walk toward the flesh first. Is this making you a better person? Is it making you a better person? Is this bringing you closer to God or away from God? Is this bringing you closer to your family or away from your family? Is this bringing you closer to being the person of purity, of holiness, that you need to be? Or is it taking you in the other direction? Are you hurt and you're responding to things in hurt? And is that hurt taking you down a road that is fleshly? Or is it taking you down a road that is spiritual? A road of peace, a road of healing. Hurting people hurt people. Hurting people hurt people. If you are hurt and you are striking out against people in your lives, you are walking according to the flesh and not according to the spirit. The hurt that is involved in all of that needs to be molded and taken in a different direction and toward Jesus and toward life. And your situation would have different steps in order to do that. The step that we know is when we're hurt, we hurt the person that hurt us, right? We get back at that person that hurt us. But to actually go in the direction of the spirit and in the direction of life, there are steps that you have to think through and steps that you have to take in order to make sure that you will not hurt that person that has hurt you. See, Jesus says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And the first step in that whole deal is you recognize that person is poison, but I'm leaving the vengeance to Jesus, and I've got to figure out how to love my enemy as Jesus Christ has told me to love him. You don't have to say that they're a nice person. You don't have to say that they really didn't mean to hurt you and give them some type of excuse. What you have to do is treat them the way Jesus wants you to treat them vengeance be his, put boundaries up, and move in a different direction. Everybody tracking? So you, you follow that way. I'm hurt. Is my hurt causing me to be fleshly and strike out? Or, is, or am I using my hurt to heal from it by following Jesus and what he wants me to do as a result of it? So what are some things, here's another question, 
switched here. What, what are some things that you do right now that you can think of that are clearly you not walking with God? Some things that you do right now that clearly are you not walking with God. It's not you walking with God. What are some things that you're doing right now that is clearly you walking with God? I have my devotions every morning with a piece of toast with five pieces of butter on it and peanut butter over the top of it. And I have a Pepsi One because I'm studying the One so I can follow the One. Okay? So in that moment, in that devotions, every day I am doing something where I am walking with God. Right? Now, five minutes later, I'm going to have to make sure I'm still walking with God. But in that moment, I'm reading, my, I'm reading the Word and a little bit later, I'm going to be praying to God and I'm spending time with him so that I might start my day in such a way that I'm walking with him. What are some things that you're doing? You know you're walking with God. By the way, if you're here today, this is one of them. Unless you just have a sour attitude somehow that I don't recognize. This is one of them, right? You're here today. But once you leave this door, once you leave these doors, what are you going to do where you know that you're still walking with God? And what are some things that you do that you know I, I'm not walking with? The things that you are doing that you know that is in the flesh are the things you need to get out of your life. Right with me? You need to get out of your life. And then finally, the last question is what are some things that I'm doing right now that it's very unclear to me whether it's right or wrong? You ever have those moments? Like you're doing something, you're not clear if it's right or wrong, you're not really clear? that moment that you ask that question and you have those things, you pray to God to make it clear to you. So I think at the end of this purity little series that everybody in the room should make a commitment to be pure before God in their life. I think everybody in this room should say, I'm going to try to walk with Jesus in the best way that I know how and follow him instead of the flesh. Because to follow Jesus and to do that work follow fleshly desires.